0: Pastor, are you hungry for a life-giving prayer meeting? Are you thirsty to revitalize the prayer times in your local church? Well, I want to talk to you about how to resurrect the prayer meeting, how to rescue the prayer meeting, how to revitalize the prayer meeting. Charles Spurgeon said this, We shall never see much change for the better in our church in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. Well, I want us to look into the Bible to learn about Biblical prayer meetings. I believe there's a scriptural paradigm. You know, we're all doing what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced. But I think we can go to the scripture and come up with a new format, a new paradigm, a means to resurrect, to revitalize the prayer meeting. Notice, number one, that Biblical praying is God-focused. Biblical praying is God-focused. The model prayer was God-focused. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's God-focused. The first three requests for God precede the second round of requests for man. Notice, we're praying about God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And God-focused prayer is worship-based prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, King Darius had signed a decree that outlawed prayer to Daniel's God. So how did he respond? He went home, opened the windows, he was unashamed, he prayed toward Jerusalem, but notice the scripture says he gave thanks, and then he made his petitions. He gave thanks first. It was God-focused, worship-based Hezekiah's prayer for deliverance was a God-focused prayer. You recall in Isaiah 37 how he was threatened. They were in great danger. And the Bible says in verse 14 of Isaiah 37 that Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Now listen to this. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, thou dwellest between the cherubims, thou art God alone, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. It was a God-focused prayer. He worshiped the Lord. He extolled God in his heart, and then he made his petition when he said, Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he had sent to reproach the living God. So he worshiped God first, then Hezekiah made his request. It was a God-focused prayer. Remember Paul and Silas thrown in jail for casting out a demon. And the Bible says it came to pass, in Acts chapter 16, as they went to prayer, there was a certain girl possessed with a spirit of divination. She was a fortune teller. And she came to Paul and and she cried, These men are servants of the Most High God which us the way of salvation. So here's the demon uh, declaring that Paul and Silas are preaching the way of salvation. That's amazing. And the Bible tells us that they cast out the demon when they did that her ability to make money for her masters was gone so they took paul and silas before the magistrates they accused them they beat them they put them in the inner prison they put their feet in the stocks and verse 25 it says at midnight paul and silas prayed and sang praises to god now notice, they prayed and sang praises to God, a worship-based prayer meeting. Now, how did Paul and Silas respond to persecution? They didn't alert the prayer chain in the early church. Second, they didn't call the Hebrew Law Association. Third, they didn't appeal to the Anti-Defamation League. How did they respond? They prayed and sang praises to God. It was, it was a worship based prayer meeting. How different is this from the average prayer meeting today? You know the typical prayer meeting will come together and they'll sing two hymns, then they'll verbalize a lengthy list of needs, and then people will give special requests. Special only to the people giving them. Then they pray for, uh, then typically we pray for traveling mercies for friends on vacation or a third cousin four states away or Anne Bessie's toenail fungus and all of these kind of problems and difficulties. Then somebody will say, well, Lord, please be with the missionaries and, 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 and like that's going to really inspire somebody to fervent prayer. And typically what you've got is about 20 minutes of needs and an endless list of difficulties. And then a prayer bulletin loaded up with more problems. And then typically after verbalizing all of these requests, uh, somebody will pray a zipper prayer, capsuling these prayer requests, asking for blanket blessing. There is 222 prayers in the Bible, and none of them sound like that. As far as this goes, how can anybody possibly remember the myriad of particulars? And how can you pray with fervor over people uh, with whom you have no emotional connection? You know, if you begin the prayer time by enumerating problems, it establishes the direction as man-centered instead of God-centered. So to begin with needs instead of the glory of God is against scriptural pattern. Now biblical praying begins with God. It's God focused. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. Biblical praying begins with worship and praise. So if we're going to resurrect the prayer meeting, we're going to have to move away from a man-centered format, a problem-centered format, to a God-centered format. We need to move away from need-based prayer to worship-based prayer. We need to move away from request-based and problem-centered praying to a God-centered type of prayer. Now notice the second half in the model prayer is when we are told and instructed to pray for daily bread, forgiveness of sins, and deliverance from evil. Uh, A worship-based prayer meeting, a God-focused prayer meeting. Now, the only churches that I know personally where they have hundreds of people and thousands of people coming to pray, every one of them are God-focused prayer meetings. I heard about a church that was having 700 people come out the first Tuesday of every month for prayer meeting. Well, this intrigued me. So I made my way to this particular service to see what they were doing. Well, they opened up at 7 o'clock with three worship songs then the pastor got up and gave a scriptural admonition about gratitude and thanking god then he instructed us to huddle together in groups of 3 and implement uh, uh the giving of thanks and we spent time thanking god well three more songs worship based And then he got up and he talked about confessing sin. He was very direct. He wasn't harsh, but he was very direct about uh, dealing with moral issues and confession of sin. Then he instructed us to break up in groups, to huddle up together, and to get clean and confess our sins to God. Then there was three more songs. Then he got up with another scriptural uh, admonition from a verse in the Bible. And then we implemented that. We prayed together about that. Then there were three more songs. And it went on this way for an hour and a half. It was a life-giving prayer meeting. You know, prayer is not just when we go to God to get something. But prayer is coming to God to give him the praise that's due his name. Charles Spurgeon said, Wash your face every morning in a bath of praise. Boy, I like that. Wash your face every morning in a bath of praise. Begin your prayer time with a God focus. Begin by praising and worshiping the Lord. You see, problem-based praying is indifferent to the glory of God. There is no zeal for God's name, God's fame, or God's acclaim, his kingdom but the passion for God is the energy of prayer and I'm telling you when we have this God focus and when we're brought into the arena of worship and praise uh, we're interested in God's name God's kingdom and God's will you know when we pray about God's name we realize his honor is at stake when we pray about God's kingdom his conquest is at stake when we pray about God's will his purpose is at stake Prayer is a high stakes matter. We must take God's side instead of attempting to get God on our side. That's why when we come, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be accomplished upon the earth as it is in heaven. Now, you know, you will discover the spiritual hunger level in your church when God is the only attraction. You know, somebody said that God may be the most unpopular person in today's church. If I am pursuing the fame of God on earth, I'm motivated by worship-based prayer. Man, I'm interested in sanctifying the name of God, advancing the kingdom of God, and accomplishing the will of God. You know, God is high and lifted up. He's worthy, and we are desperate. And the more powerfully we experience His worthiness... And the more powerfully we experience His glory, the more honestly we embrace our desperate neediness. You know, most people will pray out of crisis or from a grocery list. But uh, that's really not the way to pray. Most Christians cannot relate to God on any other basis other than asking. And this is absolutely tragic. Because prayer is not asking God to structure the universe to meet my desires. Prayer is not asking God to so rearrange uh, the conditions on earth to meet my felt needs. I want to say that uh, this God-focused type of praying will declutter the prayer meeting. It will declutter, it will simplify the prayer meeting. And decluttering the prayer meeting will go a long ways to intimacy and in prayer. So, we need to first get beyond our preoccupation with problems. We need to enter the arena of praise as we come into the presence of God. Like Paul and Silas, they prayed and sang praises to God. Then we move into the second half of the model prayer. Now we're prepared to intercede and bring our request. Notice the second uh, round of petitions in the model prayer. Forgive us. Give us. Deliver us us someone said most people pray about three things i me and my but there's not a single personal pronoun anywhere in the model prayer check it out it says our father it says give us it says forgive us it says deliver us most of the praying in the New Testament was corporate prayer. And when we go to God and pray, it's a family prayer. The model prayer is a family prayer. It's about us, about the family of God. It's about our God, His name, His kingdom, and His will. You know, there's never been a move of God anywhere apart from united prayer. And united corporate prayer is emphasized repeatedly in the New Testament. So we need to start praying in our corporate prayer meetings about we, us, and our instead of I, me, and mine. Biblical praying is God-focused. Biblical praying is worship-based. But biblical praying, second, is scripture-driven. It's scripture-driven. As you read your Bible, you've got to let it read you. As you read the Bible, pay attention to the verses that resonate with your spirit. Pay attention to the verses that jump off the page, the ones that excite your imagination, that speak to your heart, and then pray through the verses that speak to you. Speak to God about the verses that speak to you. Now, the model prayer is a pattern for prayer. It's not a formula to repeat. It's a guideline to pray through. And the version in Luke chapter 11 says, It came to pass that if Jesus was in a certain place, that when he finished praying, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's worship. Thy kingdom come. That's anticipation. Your will be done. In, as in heaven, so in earth. That's implementation. Give us this day our daily bread, that's asking. Forgive us our sins, that's confession. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, that's horizontal forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that's deliverance. So there's different aspects in this, in this prayer. And when you go to God in prayer, what aspect of that prayer is big to you? What category of this prayer needs to be highlighted in your prayer time? Now, the different aspects of prayer listed here, these categories, uh, are needed at different times. So focus on the aspect that's needed at the present time. Prayer must be scripture-fed. Now, whoever begins the dialogue will direct the conversation. So we're always better off to let God start the conversation with his word. Now, reading scriptural prayers is a good way to get started praying. Reading scriptural prayers, there's tons of them. Psalm chapter 80, verse 18 says, Quicken us, in other words, Lord revive us, make us alive, enliven us, and we will call upon your name. Lord, revive us, and then we'll call upon your name. Psalm 119, verse 40 says, Behold, I have longed after your precepts. Quicken me. Make me alive in your righteousness. Psalm one nineteen, verse one fifty-six. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to your judgments. Make me alive. Give me life according to your word. So in in the prayer time, you can based on these verses, you can ask The Lord to quicken, to revive, to enlighten, to illumine, and to enliven. Ask God to fulfill this scripture. Ask God to revive us as we go to God in prayer. Ask God to renew us. Ask God to meet with us. Ask God that the life of Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal flesh. You know, biblical praying never contradicts the Bible. There's no left field kind of prayers mentioned in the Word of God. And when you're praying from the Scripture, you're always praying according to the will of God. So pay attention to the Word. Incorporate God's words in your prayer let the scripture feed your prayer times. Uh, Biblical praying is God-focused. Biblical praying is scripture-driven. But number three, biblical praying is spirit-led. Biblical praying is spirit-led. Samuel Chadwick said, prayer is an impossible task without the Holy Ghost. Wow. Prayer is an impossible task without the Holy Ghost. There there is no virtue in saying prayers. We should be praying our prayers. And biblical praying is birthed by the Holy Spirit. It's Spirit-led. Now, this is where frequency and fervency in prayer come into play. It says in Romans 8, 26, that we do not know how to pray as we ought. All of God's people can identify with this. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit, help of our infirmities, uh, the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Thomas Watson said the best prayers are groans. They're wordless prayers. Now listen, your inadequacy to pray on your own should never lead you to despair. It should drive you to the Holy Spirit who knows the heart of God. You know what prayer is? Prayer is just breathing back into the soul of God the desires that He's planted in your heart. And that's why biblical praying is spirit-born, it's spirit-breathed, it's spirit-led Just like Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness for that season of temptation, uh, the Holy Spirit leads us to pray as we ought. It's Spirit-led praying. Now, the Holy Spirit has moods, and He leads in differing seasons to pray in different ways. That's why sometimes when you pray, there's intense conviction of sin. Uh, In our prayer advances, uh, we uh, instruct people to have half-nights of prayer where church groups and groups will huddle up and they will pray together. And we teach them to pray spiritual CPR. C stands for confession, P stands for praise, and R stands for request. And we teach them to pray in in that order because confession gets the ear of God. The Bible says if we regard iniquity in our heart, if we look favorably upon sin in our hearts, God will not hear our prayer. So there's no use to say anything else until we get the air clear between us and God. So there's a confession of sin only, no asking. And that can be intense conviction. And sometimes, man, those seasons uh, last for an hour, two hours, three hours. We even had one group to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, we didn't instruct them to do that. That's just how the Spirit led them to pray. So there's confession of sin and then there's praise. Confession gets the year of God. Praise pleases God and then that puts us in a position to request from God. Spiritual CPR. So sometimes there's intense conviction of sin. Other times, there's a great burden of intercession. Uh, Most of us have been in prayer sessions where the burden of God came upon those in attendance and boy, we poured out our hearts and we wept and prayed and that's, uh, that's the season that the Holy Spirit is leading at that given time. Other times, it's not so much um, intercession, and and it's not so much of this matter of intense conviction, but sometimes there's just instruction from God when our minds are flooded with directives. He floods our minds with thoughts and gives us uh, uh, visions of what we are to do and, and, and gives us clarity on particulars. So, there's a flow to praying in the Spirit. There's an undeniable supernatural dimension to prayer it 's not scripted, but it 's flexing to the spirit 's direction, so you've got to learn to go with the flow because there 's a continuity and spontaneity in unified praying when the Holy Spirit is leading. You know the person leading the prayer meeting must be in tune with the spirit, must be in step with the Holy Spirit to know the mind of God. I have a friend, and he has a large church and Uh, It's their practice to have uh, the Lord's table communion on Sunday morning. And in his church, with hundreds of people, I mean like a thousand people, uh, he will have congregational prayer time where people in the congregation are able to stand to their feet and talk to the Lord out loud, leading the rest of the congregation. Now, you know what he told me? He said, Harold, I found out the Holy Spirit can control crowds. I found out the Holy Spirit can control crowds. And, you know, when we invite the Holy Spirit to lead us, then we pray as we ought. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercessions with groanings. So, invite the Holy Spirit to lead you as you lead your group to pray. Uh, Biblical praying is Spirit-led. Biblical praying is Scripture-driven. Biblical praying is God-focused, but biblical praying is faith-filled. It's faith-filled. Now, faith is confidence in God. Unbelief is confidence in something other than God. God's greatest grief is to be doubted. But God's greatest joy is to be believed. It's the mandate of faith. Uh, He that comes to God must believe that God is. Now, God requires faith when we pray. I like this statement, An ounce of faith is better than a ton of excitement. An ounce of faith is better than a ton of excitement. Somebody said, Doubt digs the grave of faith. Doubt digs the grave of faith. Romans 14, 23 says, Whatever is not of faith, is sin. So praying without faith is sin. There can be no prayer apart from faith. Biblical praying is faith filled. Now listen to 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, We know we have the petitions we desired of him. That's confident praying. That's the confidence protocol. That's faith-filled praying. Remember the story of the father with the demon-possessed son? How the, the father had come to the disciples and they couldn't help him? So the desperate father brings his possessed, afflicted child to Jesus. And he told Jesus that wherever he took his son, the spirit would tear him and he would foam and gnash with his teeth and he was pining away. And he said, I spoke to your disciples that they would cast him out, but they could not. And then Jesus rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith. Here's what Jesus said. Oh, faithless generation. That's not a compliment. Oh, faithless generation. How long do I have to be with you? How long must I suffer with you? Bring him to me. So here's this father whose son is afflicted, he's possessed, and he's helpless to do anything about it. Ole Halsby, O-L-E, the Norwegian theologian, said that prayer has been ordained only for the helpless. Prayer has been ordained only for the helpless. Now, only the helpless can truly pray. The self-sufficient will not pray. The self-righteous cannot pray. The self-centered do not want to pray. But I want to say this, helplessness should never keep you from praying, but should cause you to pray. Because think of it, if we were not helpless and distressed, perhaps how seldom we would open our heart's door to Jesus. That's why Hebrews chapter 4 says, we're to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're to come confidently to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. One man said, feeling our weakness makes room for God, but feeling discouraged makes room for the enemy. Well, this man was weak, he was perplexed, and Jesus said to this father, If you can believe all things are possible, him that believes and the father cried out and said with tears i like this man he said it with tears he said lord i believe help my unbelief lord i believe but i don't understand everything help my unbelief can i tell you that faith filled praying is not perfect faith the father knew his faith wasn't perfect he said lord i believe but help my unbelief he acknowledged his unbelief He cried out for help. He came to Jesus with his problems. And you know, prayer is just telling God what you lack. Prayer intercession is telling God what other people lack. But prayer is telling God what you lack. And now look at what the father was lacking. His emotions weren't right. His faith was imperfect. Admittedly, his past experiences had been unfruitful, but he came to Jesus anyway. And I want to encourage you that faith sees its own need. Faith acknowledges its own helplessness and goes to Jesus and tells him how bad things are and just leaves it there in his hands. Be encouraged. If you have enough faith to pray, you've got enough faith to come to Jesus. The Jesus said he that comes to me. He who comes to me, that's what prayer is. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out of the house. He that comes to me, Jesus said, I'm not going to turn him away. You know, the very act of going to Jesus is the essence of prayer. The very things we think disqualify us from prayer are the very things that qualify us to pray. Consider that father with the demon-possessed child. The doctors couldn't help him. The disciples couldn't help him, but he came to Jesus anyway. And if you've got enough faith to come to Jesus, you've got enough faith to pray. If you have enough faith to pray, you have enough faith to be heard. And if you have enough faith to come to Jesus, you've got enough faith to receive a miracle. He that comes to me, I'm not going to turn away. Faith-filled praying brings the situation to Jesus and leaves it with him. You've got to stop looking at the way things are, and start looking at the way things can be. God works in spite of circumstances, not because of circumstances. Now, thanking God is the first step of faith. Without expectation, there is no faith. And without faith, there is no prayer. I was holding a prayer summit one time in Illinois. And uh, the pastor took my wife and I and his wife out to a great Italian restaurant. And there we were having a great time. When the pastor began to re- rehearse his episode with kidney stones, which is probably not the best topic of conversation in an Italian restaurant. But any- anyhow, he began to tell us all about this. And then we finished the meal. We no sooner than walked out the door... But what the pastor doubled over in writhing pain. I managed to get him to the car. My wife and his wife were already in the back seat. And my wife looked back and saw the pastor doubled over in pain. And she said to his wife, I think your husband is sick. And his wife, without even looking back, said, he'll be all right. No, my wife said, I think he's really sick. So we got the pastor into the passenger seat. I slipped in behind the wheel. We sped off to the hospital, checked him in. And the doctor said, well, uh, it's going to be at least 24 hours, and it's probably going to be more like 48 hours before everything clears up. Now, we're having a meeting in his church. It's a prayer summit. So we got the pastor, checked in the hospital, went back, and we had services that night. And when the people came to the prayer summit, I said, hey, I think it would honor God if we prayed the prayer of faith and asked God to let this whole kidney stone get reconciled and let's believe, God, that the pastor will be here in the morning for Sunday school. Everybody said that's a great idea. So we prayed the prayer of faith. Would you believe at one o'clock in the morning, everything was was reconciled with his physical problem. He was home in bed. He showed up early the next morning, fit as a fiddle, and brother, he was just uh, full of energy, and, and God had answered our prayer. Why? Because we ask in faith. When it comes to praying in faith, you ask, you believe, and then you thank God. And can I encourage you to ask big, pray big, Expect big, and and you can couch all of your requests in thanksgiving. That's the essence of faith, because thanking God is the first step of faith. It's faith-filled praying. Now, we've got to start praying with exclamation points instead of question marks. We've got to stop being so timid and so afraid we're going to override the will of God or somehow we're going to impose our will upon God. Look, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, the desires that are in your heart are the desires from God. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. And he puts those desires in there. So faith-filled praying. Learn to move from a mentality of defeat to a stance of faith by thanking God. Faith-filled praying. But there's one more step to biblical praying, as I see in a corporate sense. And that is that biblical praying is shepherd-directed. It's shepherd-directed. In Acts chapter 6, and verse 4, the apostles said, we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Notice that prayer was the first priority, and then the ministry of the Word. They were both important, but in the Word of God, the prayer came first. Now, the Scripture says that the apostles gave themselves to prayer, and I believe that means they gave themselves to oversee the corporate prayer ministry in the local church. Now, uh, preaching is important, but overseeing the prayer ministry is equally important. Now, spend as much time preparing for your prayer meeting as you do on Sunday morning. Just think about this. Uh, How much time is given to administration, planning, academics, preaching, all this kind of stuff. And and, uh, and quite often, how little time is given to praying about the prayer direction, the corporate prayer ministry of the local church. Now, God directs the life of his church through his shepherds. And that's why uh, uh, to resurrect the prayer meeting, it's got to be shepherd-directed. We've got to get the mind of God for the prayer ministry in our churches. Jesus said that the Father's house was to be called a house of prayer. God's central definition of the church, a house of prayer. God's chief desire for the church a house of prayer. Every prayer meeting you have demands that you know what aspect of God's program, God's kingdom, God's will, God's design that he wants you to emphasize. So you can pray about the prayer meeting. You can prepare for the prayer meeting. Now God hungry Christians are longing for life giving prayer meetings. God hungry Christians are longing for life giving prayer meetings. Not life draining prayer meetings, but life giving prayer meetings. Now, rest assured, religionists have no interest in a life giving prayer meeting, ritualists have no interest. Moralists have no interest. Traditionalists have no interest in a life-giving prayer meeting. Unsaved church members have no interest in, in a life-giving prayer meeting. But God wants you to have a life-giving prayer meeting. God wants us to have God-honoring, kingdom-advancing, a spirit-filled prayer meetings. And God-hungry saints are desperate for prayer meetings with life. They're absolutely desperate for prayer meetings with life. So, in order to accomplish this, we put together this little book called, Approaching God's Throne, Biblical Protocols for Prayer. Now, we have 18 chapters with 18 scriptural protocols for prayer. Very clear-cut, black and white, methods by which God tells us we can approach His throne in prayer. We produce videos for 10 of the chapters in this book. They're very brief and concise that go along with uh, those 10 particular chapters. And you know, you could dedicate at least 10 weeks or more to developing a new prayer culture within your congregation. You could supply every participant with the book, assign one chapter a week for them to read in advance. When you come to the prayer meeting or the small group, show the video or talk through the chapter yourself. Then give the thrust and implement the protocol. At the end of every chapter, there's four reflections highlighting the content of the chapter, and there's four applications. It's, it's ready to go. Now, by giving the thrust and implementing that particular protocol and and praying through that particular protocol, we're not going to learn to pray by hearing sermons on prayer. We're going to learn to pray by implementing what we hear in terms of instruction from the Word of God. And I believe that this could change the dynamic of the prayer meeting in hundreds of churches. Now, we've got to ask God to lead us as we lead our churches in prayer. And you can ask God to transform your church into a house of prayer. You know, I believe that God wants to visit His church, but He's got to have an open door. And we can invite Christ to come and be actively in charge. We can yield to the Holy Spirit. We can follow the directives that God puts upon our heart. From Pastor, you can have a life-giving prayer meeting. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be God-birthed. Because Biblical praying is God-focused. We've got to move toward a worship-based, God-focused ministry in the local church. It breathes life. As we minister to God and we bless God's heart, He manifests Himself and blesses us. And as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. But Biblical praying, second, is Scripture-driven. As you read your Bible, you've got to let it read you. As you read the Bible, pay attention to the verses that resonate with your spirit. Now, the model prayer is a pattern for prayer. It's not a formula to repeat. It's a guideline to pray through. So there's different aspects in this, in this prayer. And when you go to God in prayer, what aspect of that prayer is big to you? What category of this prayer needs to be highlighted in your prayer time? Now, reading scriptural prayers is a good way to get started praying. Reading scriptural prayers, there's tons of them. So, in in the prayer time, you can, based on these verses, you can ask the Lord to quicken, to revive, to enlighten, to illumine, and to enliven. Ask God to fulfill this scripture. Ask God to revive us as we go to God in prayer. Ask God to renew us. Ask God to meet with us. Ask God that the life of Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal flesh. God-focused, scripture-driven, spirit-led. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer. He's the missing person in prayer. He's the missing person in prayer. But when you're controlled and filled by faith with the Spirit of God, He leads you to pray as you ought. And He will lead you to lead your people to pray as they ought. We've got to start trusting God to be actively... Present and in control. Spirit led. That's where fervency comes in. That's where burden comes in. That's when the mind of God and the heart of God come in. And then four, it has to be faith filled. Not prayers of doubt, but prayers of faith. Uh, not prayers of facts, but prayers of faith. Faith filled. And again, it's not that our faith is Copsure all the time that we, you know, we just know the mind of God all the time. But when you come to God in prayer, you couch everything with an attitude of gratitude. You couch everything with thanksgiving. And you're thanking God. When you ask God for stuff, thank Him for supplying. When you ask God to do things, thank God for doing it. When you ask God to save your children and grandchildren, thank God for saving your children and grandchildren. In other words, thanking God is the first step of faith. And without faith, we can't please God. But with faith, all things are possible. Faith-filled. And then finally, shepherd-directed. You know, God wants to use you to start a, a spiritual revolution in your church and in your town. And I want to tell you that God wants your church alive with his presence and blessing. And it can happen as we instruct and implement these protocols this could be the means to birth revival in individual hearts and in the heart of your congregation now in the end of the protocol book there's a section called how to resurrect the prayer meeting Now, that's some content that I've given here in the video, but it's also got some very practical suggestions, and I would encourage you to read through those and implement accordingly. And let's believe God for the life of God to invade our congregations. Let's believe God for an outpouring of refreshing and revival. Let's believe God for a harvest of souls in these latter days. Let's stop looking to the past. Let's start looking to the future and believe in God. For an outpouring of his spirit in our day It's going to start in the hearts of us as shepherds And it's going to begin as our churches begin to pray uh, In the power of the Holy Spirit God can resurrect the primate He wants to do that for you and for me personally And for your church and mine God bless you